You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut to the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Katie, and this is another episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast, and today we have Mary McDougall. She is the Vice President um, working at Plastia.org, which is a industry where uh, they help businesses to get funded by providing capital connections and guidance that, that fuel the growth of innovative women-led ventures around the globe. So I'm very excited to have Mary on. She's going to talk us through the types of people that need uh, funding, that get funded, how to get funded, how to get connected into this world to learn more about the money, the growth, and the opportunities. So um, very happy to have you. Thanks so much for being here, Mary. Okay, great. Well, thanks for the opportunity to speak with you today. I'm uh, with Astia, which is a nonprofit focused on helping level the playing field for women entrepreneurs, or more specifically for teams that include female leaders. We've actually been around for almost 20 years. We thought we'd be out of business long before now, that there'd be no need, but unfortunately there's still quite a need. And so we're focused on helping gender inclusive teams that include women in the highest leadership positions to get both access to capital and access to networks and resources. Because we find that both of those things are harder for uh, some of these people to find than others, than, than their all male counterparts. So uh, Mary, I'm sorry, when you first, when we first spoke, you had told me that it was somewhere in the realm of like one or 2% of women get funded um, for it's their projects. Two, and stuff, so. <laughs> yeah, the statistics are more like 2% of the venture capital dollars go to female led teams. And is and, that because women are somehow not coming up with great ideas or is there something else going on there? No, uh, because in fact, um, I don't have the statistic as to how many actual entrepreneurs there are that are female versus male, but even the even the co-ed teams only get 12% of the funding. So it, there's um, there might be some industry biases going on, as in VCs uh, tend to tend to like scalability and tech related. Um, Ventures, so there might be some of that, but in general, uh, nothing can account, nothing except bias can account for the disparity. Okay. And we we do believe that there are plenty of, and and we do believe and know that there are plenty of women led led ventures, and that our investment thesis for our we have our own angel group and soon to have our own fund. Uh, our investment thesis is that. These groups are under uh, under resourced and uh, and they're a wealth basically a wealth of opportunity. And so, what we've devised is a process for screening these applications from co-ed teams or teams with women leaders, 
and identifying the ones that are investable, putting them in front of our angel group and other you know, uh, VCs that's, that are supportive. And um, we've had, what we're told is that from last year's co-group, we have four out of five got, fund, got funded. And we know that on average, uh, we, we use a network of uh, hundreds of volunteer advisors, each with 15 years or more experience in a related field that actually help us review the business applications and uh, screen those that are most ready for investment. We also encourage them to offer an introduction to the entrepreneur if they want to, if they feel they have more service to offer, more advice, expertise to share with the, the team. And we do on average, we did almost, we did 550 introductions last year to about 250 actual screened uh, applicants. So each, on average, they got two contacts per um, per team. Okay, so if somebody applied, <coughs> um, they actually got introductions to people. Is that what you're saying, or out of a, a, a on, on average, they get at least they get two. Some get more, some get fewer, but on average, they get two introductions. And if they make it through our screening process, they uh, achieve. They get funded. Four out of five get funded. Oh, wow. Okay. The way they self-report. Okay. I know our ASTI angels uh, fund about half of them, but uh, they can't, they, they're not, they just don't have the means to fund all of them. So uh, they, they, what we believe is that our process, since we, all these screeners share with, with ASTIA, their feedback, and we aggregate that and anonymize it and share it with the entrepreneur. So even if you don't pass, say, our industry screen where we look at product market fit, uh, you get all that feedback, the verbatim feedback, so that that can help you inform, help you improve your materials, your executive summaries and um, slide presentations. Okay. And and hopefully better position you for, for, for future funding. Okay. We, we are... Um, we are stage, stage agnostic and industry agnostic. We, I will tell you though, healthcare related um, deals tend to have a higher success rate through our process. Our, our portfolio is about 40% health related in some way, uh, either medical devices, biotech, or more healthcare services. And uh, the, uh, much of the rest is technology, and of course, there's a huge intersection between the two, uh, right. especially as visual recognition and AI um, kick in to do a lot more diagnostic and customization of um, therapeutic therapeutic processes. So we are um, we're stage agnostic, although we tend to see mostly pre-seed and um, precede the Series A uh, applicants. But our, our angel group is very active. We have uh, 55 men and women who do, uh, who invest by themselves, but they're individual investors, but if they have interest, they uh, form an LLC and invest. They, their average investment is about 200K 
in the first round, but they'll stay for subsequent rounds. We have some portfolio companies that are into their fourth round. Uh, what's most important though about our Asti Angel Group is the leverage they bring. They syndicate with others. So we have 23 million invested now after five years, but we have brought in 400 million additional money into those companies through our network. So it's, um, if you pass through our SIFT process, you are well positioned to get funding. Okay. And Let me... if you don't pass our SIFT, you get the feedback, the connections, and you are always welcome to come back. So it's kind of a win-win, <laughs> whether you get funded or you don't get funded. There's a little downside. You just need a two-page executive summary. Okay, so um, let's walk through kind of like um, what this would look like. So let's say somebody has, we'll just do medical device because it's easier and then we'll, we'll talk about some other things. And let's say I have this great idea to, I don't know, have a temperature probed catheter or something. And I, I've gone through the stages where I actually have a prototype of it and now I don't know what to do or how to get funding. Would that be something that I could come to Astia and, and get funding or how would that process work? Right. Uh, we are not your first, we don't tend to be your first funders, as in we're looking for a little more traction than what you just described. Okay. We're looking for some market validation of some sort, either a, either a prototype that's been tested, uh, an FDA application in, in process, uh, something that, you know, uh, either uh labs or clinics working with you on it but we're looking for some some evidence and it's a little trickier with medical uh because of the lo the longer nature of the um go to the pre-market stage uh okay. we're, lo we're looking for some something that proves that there there is a value here that that people are receiving Okay, so, so some kind so, of proof of concept. So you have some sales that you you've had, and you just need to generate like volume. Sales would be great, but but that doesn't always occur in medical. But so early uh, tests with results back from the the uh, cohorts that you've tested on, or it's you know in in technology it's a little. Straight, more straightforward, either paid pilots or something, something that says people will, people value this, or you've got a backlog of orders or some something. Or okay. But. So from the medical device, so we would say that maybe you have some clinical trials going on, or you have some kind of research around it, suggesting that it's good. Right. But in the technology, so I have a couple of nurses that have developed apps for staffing. Uh, types of things is that something that would be of interest to this group sure and so we, we would be looking for either some early adoption some indication of early adoption okay so, so you you need at least your mvp your minimum viable product your prototype out there in the market and uh getting results in some way Okay, so I think it's really important to just kind of point out that one, um, 
you're not taking somebody that just has an idea in their head and funding them that you they've right. actually put the blood sweat and tears into it and they have something and they have some um, traction behind it but now need money to scale yes okay. yes that's exactly right okay and then in terms of like healthcare services like what kind of services does that mean uh, it could mean anything. What we're seeing a lot of is uh, aging, uh, things that are more uh, uh, tools to help seniors uh, age in place versus in facilities, um, more a AI, remote sensing. Uh, we we've, uh, haven't seen that much in patient records or in any of the more enterprise, but certainly could be. We've seen it in remote diagnostics, um, you know, more plat platforms for also platforms for sharing data and maybe collaborating. Okay. How about like telehealth companies? Um, is that something that you're sure? Okay. Yeah. Um, we, we get some wellness ones. I'll tell you, the ones that have trouble are things that like help, I don't know, pregnant mothers um, get back in shape or something. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> they struggle? No, no, longer, no longer pregnant mothers. I mean, yeah. early. <laughs> I, I'm just, that's an example of something that might not, might have a hard time, right? Because we're looking for differentiation. What is going to make this product really scalable and return investment to a funder. Okay. But otherwise, I mean, we're open to lots of things that, um, boy, I've seen kidney stones. I've seen a lot, a lot of bladder incontinence. Uh, um, so bladder incontinence, like they have devices that help prevent them or they have services that, um, well, I'm not sure no. what kind of service would help bladder incontinence. But <laughs> Mostly it's device or procedures or something. something it needs to be repeatable. We, we don't fund services per se, unless it's a platform, a scalable service of some sort. Unfortunately, we don't fund cannabis related uh, deals. And I know okay. there's very interesting ones. But as a federal nonprofit, we can't do it. Okay, so cannabis is completely off the table. Yes. Okay. Because we haven't tried to figure out which ones are derivatives versus which ones would be okay, <laughs> and which ones wouldn't. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole new layer. <laughs> It's not an expertise we possess. <laughs> okay. Um, so, and how, oh, go ahead. I, I, we would welcome um, not only applicants from this group, but we would welcome also advisors from this group. We're always looking for, we, we always have more applications coming in from medical and healthcare related uh, areas then we have advisors to uh, take a look at these. And we okay. don't offer, we don't require any commitment. 
as in, you know, you have to do one a week or review one deal a week. Uh, we have nothing like that. We recognize that some people might have a couple months of uh, time where they could spend time with us and, and look at these deals. But, and then their life takes off and, you know, they go away for six months. Right. And that's okay. That's, that's fine. That happens across all occupations. Um, uh, but, but we were really looking for people who would have a sense for, is this a good, is this a pain that the industry has? And is this a type of solution that would be basically pass your sniff test based on your years of experience? Okay. So would you have to own a business to be an advisor? No. We look for 15 years of related experience, 15 years or more. And you can be an individual contributor. Uh, so that, that's for looking at the product market fit. We have a layer, if, if, if an entrepreneur passes that screen, we have an operations screen. And at that point, you'd have to have been an entrepreneur or own P&L responsibilities in a larger enterprise. Okay. Um, so you, uh, I just want to clarify a couple of things because you use the word seed and series A and stuff. And just uh, to clarify for some people that are, are new to this experience, uh, can you tell us what pre-seed is and the series A and how many series there are? Like, what does that mean? Oh, it's a moving target, but uh, typically, uh, typically you don't have a series A until you're really ready to scale nationally, scale globally. I mean, it, it's a, it's a major step and that you have revenue and traction so that you go out at a higher valuation. Seed and pre-seed are kind of a continuum of, uh, anywhere from say 200 K we, we don't touch anything under 200 K really. Um, and we, but it could be 200K to, to 5 million. Typically, we see 1 to 2 million for the ask. And okay. again, it doesn't often lead around, but we go in and we bring others in with us. Okay. So if you were a pre seed applicant, um, this would mean that you have a proof of concept of some kind of scalable service or product or medical device, and you think that it can scale from 200K to 5 million, but you need that money from angel investors? Is that, did I say that right? Or? Uh, it, sorry, it's not gonna be so black and white. Uh. <laughs> It, it, it kind of depends on the uh, founder's interest in how much money they want to take and how much runway they want to create with their, their raise with their. Um, so we, we do it for, we have companies that come in and uh, offer equity in exchange for capital. We have, have them uh, do convertible notes, which is basically a loan that converts to stock at a higher, at a multiple. The loan either gets paid back when they go out for funding at the next level or, uh, or it converts to stock. Um, there are, 
vehicles called safes that are more that are loan that gets paid back over with revenue uh, as a percent of revenue and those, those are really the main vehicles okay we um and i can't give you a hard answer on the pre-seed and seed it, it kind of depends on your strategy of how where where you would how much dilution you'll take in your company and where the valuation is that that would be how much you'd clearly if you don't have a lot of traction you're not going to have a very highly valued company <laughs> right for the same amount of money you want you want to collect you're going to have to give away more of the company okay and do you guys by, offer by whatever, any by whatever term it's called okay do you guys offer guidance on you know which one to choose or help people to make those decisions uh we have advisors that are good at that yes mm -hmm. we can do that we don't have a formal structure to do that uh but we we can pair you up with advisors <laughs> we, we are not a boot camp or an accelerator we're more of a i'll call it an on-ramp to the to an open network and funding if you if you're deemed ready okay and I guess that's the part that I want to kind of just really hone in here. So if somebody thinks that they're ready, um, what would that process look like? So now they um, they need like a, a 50 page business plan or, or what do they need? They need a one to two page executive summary. And that's all they need. Just uh, to get into the door, just to apply. Just to get in the door. And uh, we have a link on our website and I will send you a, Link as well, Katie. Okay. Uh, for an application that that creates an online um, an, an online site where we hand, handle the review, where you can put up your executive summary for us to take a look at. If anyone is has applied to other groups, they might have used Gust or some similar platform, and we. Um, we have we were on Gus. We created our own platform a year ago, and now we bring our entrepreneurs through that. Our advisors re do the review online. Their feedbacks given to you online, and our investors all come in online and uh, take a look and run their due diligence there as well. Okay, and that's where you need the advisors too, right? For these one to two page executive summaries. Right. Okay. Right. We, we ask them to read those. So this one to two page executive summary is just kind of like a hook, like here's my really great idea, here's some proof of concept, um, and would this make to the next round? It's, it's no kind of guarantee of anything other than uh, we'll take a look further, right? Right. Okay. And we'll, and we'll give you our feedback. Okay, so they get feedback on their executive summary, and let's say people are interested, your, your group is interested to know more, what happens in the next stage? Then we would invite you, if you passed at that stage, we invite you to uh, give a pitch. <coughs> Once a week, we run an operations screen, which is a live virtual meeting, a webinar format, where we have our operations advisors that have either their serial entrepreneurs or their uh, PL owners. And we ask, we hear two companies describe their business opportunity. And those advisors are asked to determine, 
operational readiness, is investment readiness. Does the company have a viable um, business model? A do they have a team in place, or at least self awareness of what team they need if they were given money? Self awareness is good. <laughs> I mean, often the teams don't have the money to buy get the sales guy that they want, whatever. But, but to at least know that they need a salesperson is um, important. Uh, do they have a monetization strategy that makes sense? Uh, do they have a uh, go-to-market uh, plan or partnerships or whatever the approach is that will, um, that if we, they were to receive money, would, could help them scale the product, scale the offering? So um, with that, if they pass that stage, then we put them in front of our investors, which are our angel group and our um, uh, VC network. Okay. And, and what those, kind of... Go ahead. Those groups then run their processes kind of on their own. Okay. Our angel group runs it through our platform, but they, they have their own pace for due diligence or whatnot. Okay, and what kind of like competitive process is this? I mean, are we like talking about twenty thousand people applying, or I, I mean, what what are the numbers, and what is kind of like this success we about, rate? We get about five hundred applicants a year that we and we actually screen out half of them right up front because they're too early. Okay, and or they're not the right fit; they're franchises or something. And, uh, but then to about 250 go through our industry screen and a hundred get through that. We, we put about a hundred through our operations screen and about two thirds past that. So the statistic is more about like 15% of those that apply get all the way through. Oh, well. And that's in front of the investors now, and that in front of the investors, and then the feedback is uh, uh, self-reported that four out of five get funded. Oh my gosh! Okay, so if you get through the operations screen, um, you and what was that you're, other part? And you're you're good. Okay. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're, you're very likely to get funded, right. and and we have returning entrepreneurs too. We have companies that get you know, partially through and don't make it and get the feedback, go away for a while and come back when they either either have, um, you know, gotten a little more traction or addressed whatever concerns were raised the first time. Okay. And, you know, I got to say, like, you guys didn't, like, put the bar so far high that, you know, it's like this 5,000-page document that you have to turn in. It's a one- to two-page executive summary and you just link it up on, the, your, on your website, which we'll have a post for. It goes for the initial screen. If you make that initial screen, then you do a, a pitch. If you get through your live operations screen, um, then you know about two thirds of them will move on to get in front of investors and four out of five uh, will eventually get funded by the investors. Right. Wow. And we do, we do things specifically to address some of the challenges women have which is we don't require referrals. We have an open application process. And we don't, when we do the, the, the pitches, we don't use video so that we don't introduce any more opportunity for bias. Uh, than I like we already that. 
but we're big fans of video. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, you got to learn to be on video, but there's something about like giving your pitch and you're sweating and you're like clammy. And if nobody's seeing that, then it's somehow okay. <laughs> yeah. So well, it's at least one presidential candidate used to complain. It takes, it took her an hour early, hour more preparation to get ready. Then <laughs> we so save you all that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, Oh, I love this. I, uh, so can you give us some examples of just um, maybe an example of a successful healthcare company that went through and maybe an unsuccessful company so that we can kind of like pair that out in our mind? Uh, well, one of our portfolio, co portfolio companies is called Candescent. And they have, they deal with um, uh, severe perspiration and have a in-office um, technique that addresses that and helps reduce the, I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but that's one that got through. Um, we had one that dealt with sinus problems. We've had, we have had a lot of medical. Um, in fact, if you go to our website, there's a whole list of our portfolio companies. It'll give you examples of what we've invested in. And um, I'm afraid I was an advisor for 10 years. I've only been on staff for a year, so don't know the whole history. The uh, ones that don't get through, I would say, are some of the ones that are hard to differentiate, that don't have things that are patentable or, or uh, substantial innovation. Uh, some of the software applications that are um, the software applications that are hard to differentiate. The wellness, um, the ones that deal with, I'll call them softer issues. Uh, that's pro you've probably got a better term for that, but. Um, Okay. Um, um, or me more mental health type of issues or wellness and mindfulness type of thing. Other, okay. other, uh, other concerns raised in the healthcare field would be if it's too narrow a market. You know, if you've got a very niche market that you're helping, is, is that market even big enough to uh, help to allow you to scale to the size of creating a, creating a good company. Okay. And a, lot, a lot of medical devices and medical companies get acquired, right? Most of them get acquired. And uh, a successful companies usually can articulate what their exits would be. Okay. Um, so I do have, there's a question here that is asking about uh, home health expansion. Is that too um, broad? Is that too like non-differentiated? I don't know what home health expansion means. Uh, so I'm going to assume. Yeah, for, for seniors? Yeah, or just any home health care. So home health care where the nurse goes out into the community and takes care of the patient, let's say after surgery or after hospitalization. 
Um, and there's lots of home health agencies out there. So I'm wondering if they wanted to do a home health agency that was very, you know, for a particular patient population. I'm, I'm wondering if that's just too broad for you guys. It might, it might be. Question, questions would be, why is it different? How is it different? If it's only different because it's handling a region that's not covered today, then that's not likely to be scalable. Okay. Um, but it, I mean, it, I don't want to say it couldn't be different. It could have a uh, a different algorithm for for matching the care provider to the to the recipient. It could have a you know a different set of tools that they arm the care provider with that they're married to the sensors in the house that are giving them, you know, who knows? <laughs> I like that. I, yeah, okay. That makes but, sense because it's something that we've talked about because I, I do have a lot of nurses that are interested in starting staffing agencies or, or home health agencies. And my question always is like, how is this different than Bayada nurses or something? So if, if you can't articulate some kind of difference, then it's probably not going to be invest or investment material. Right. Okay. Um, also, any people related, if, if you scale with people, you, you have to be able to articulate how you can scale that hiring and management activity. You know, if you're aspiring to be the Uber of, um, of in-home in in care, um, that's okay. Then where's your expertise? Is it in-home in care or is it in that platform that or those horizontal processes that allow you to uh, really build that company out. Okay. Yeah, that, that's really important. Um, let's see. Um, how, I mean, how long would that, is the pitch? Uh, so is that like something like, it's like a half an hour or two minutes or? <laughs> we, we run two sessions in an hour and we encourage the presenter to spend about 10 or 12 minutes on the pitch. And then we open it up for 12 to 15 minutes of questions. Okay. And it's actually the questions that we value a lot from the advisors. They, and it's also when the entrepreneur gets to, I, I, in our opinion, sh shine, it gets to where the, he or she, uh, and we have lots of guys presenting because the women, again, don't have to be the CEO or the founder. The, um, it's, it's where they really show their knowledge of the market, their vision for the company, their passion for what, what they're doing. And it's also like any good sales process, it's how they get to uncover the objections and concerns that the advisors might ha have before they fill out their survey to us. So they get to deal with the objections up front. Do you guys have a specific kind of like pitch deck that you like people to use or they just come with their own or? Uh, they come with their own. We um, we have examples. We have more examples of executive summaries than than pitch decks, but they, they come with their own. Okay. Um, I mean, this sounds really <laughs> exciting for uh, 
for anybody that has um, proof of concept or, you know, whether they have a medical device or a unique angle on some kind of um, home care agency or staffing agency that they want to do. Um, I, I think that this is amazing. And the fact that you've made it so easy for people to apply, um, I think is, is another big factor here that will encourage people to do that. Yeah, no, we're, we, we welcome uh, the opportunity to, to learn more about any of these businesses. We're always sorry when we can't help you uh, or if you're just too early, but we welcome you back. And uh, again, er, er, too early is probably the main thing we see that we turn people down on. Um, uh, but we welcome we welcome you back, and we we know we provide value for those we screen with all at least the, all the feedback we give. So, all right. I mean, even if you're too early, you still get feedback, right? Is that right? Well, that that's actually no. That's the feedback okay. you'll get. We don't <laughs> actually, we we protect the time of our advisors. We don't ask them to read a some a business plan of that has no actual. Okay. Fair uh, enough. Open it, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, um, and then is there at certain some point do they have to present some sort of business model or I mean not business model but business plan or is that just kind of off to the wayside? Is that for the investors maybe? Uh, the business plan itself, you know, multi-page document, is not necessarily required. The executive summary, the investment deck. Uh, and certainly financials are usually what they what's looked for. I can't speak to any individual investor. They all do their own due diligence. Right. Okay. Differently. All right. So, you so, know, the 50 page. So we, we, we require really the slide, the slides ultimately, if you're at the operations screen, yeah, but really just the executive summary to begin with. Okay. All right. And um, so I will send you Katie, um, I'll send you an example of what we look for in an executive summary and uh, layout, I guess. Layouts, that would be are, great. layouts are just a suggestion. We, we try not to limit innovation in presentation. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it helps to have those beginning steps. Sometimes it helps. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I'll uh, send you that and the link to our application site. And if anyone's interested in becoming an advisor, if you have 15 years of experience or more, um, uh, you'll, okay, you'll have my contact information or I can, yes, I can put it in the chat right now. Yeah, I'll put everything under this uh, so people can see it and uh, I'll send it out. Uh, I'll actually put it in show notes and stuff. So. Okay, good, because I'm failing here. I'm a Zoom-in WebEx user. This is not... Oh. Mary, I have one more question that just popped up. It says, um, describe what type of proof of concept is best if I built a service line for a hospital that I'd like to take to market for other facilities, would that work? Um, I need a little more information. I don't know what a service not, line is. Right, right. I was going to say, uh, you know, it's it's uh, hard to infer what what 
she means by that or he. Um, so I, I can give an example of, uh, you know, we started a stroke program um, at a different hospital uh, and it's something that nurses are able to do is set up kind of stroke centers at different hospitals. And that would be something along the lines of a service line. I'm not sure if that's what the uh, person means when they say that, but um, would developing systems for hospitals uh, like a stroke center and getting them certified, would that be something that would be fundable in, in this type of um, scenario? It would depend on your monetization and sales strategy. Uh, is if this is something, I don't know if it's a process you license or a process you train around or, you know, or if you've got specific tools that you're selling to these companies, to these hospitals, it, it kind of depends on what the actual um, business plan is to what, what service are you providing? And how do you deliver that in a bigger way? Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, she just followed up and said it's remote case management for patient throughput discharge planning utilization review. So I, I think that kind of, it sounds like it's in line with the home care agency. If there's something unique about what you're doing that can scale and be profitable for the investors, because that's ultimately what it's coming down to. Um, then it's worth sending in an executive summary describing um, what it is that you want to do. Yeah, I would think about how how might you scale it nationwide, or you know some some bigger region, some region. And if if you have a line of sight of that, then that would be of interest. Okay. As right. one way of thinking about it. But I, I'm not. I, I'm intentionally trying to be vague because I don't know what you're. We 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 are always surprised by people's innovation. Yeah, that's right. true. Yeah, you don't want to like stifle people, and at the same time, yeah. you do need something to go off of. Um, no, so this is great. Thank you for your time today, and I will follow up with Katie so that she can uh, share information from us. Mary, thank you so much.